Well, we are uh, continuing in this series that we've been in. If, you've, if you're visiting with us today, we've started a series where a lot of the questions you just saw on the screen, we're, we're going to see what does the Scripture have to say about this, this question. Questions that we all ask, questions that some of us wrestle with maybe more than others, and maybe you've been wrestling with it for a while. And, and even if you feel like you've gotten a grasp on it, these are questions that, that are worth going back to review and to kind of shore up and hone up our skills and our, and our thinking on, tighten that up. And then maybe also think about, well, how would I answer this question if someone else asked me? Maybe someone who's not in the church, doesn't go to church, is not a, a Christian, doesn't read the Bible. How would I answer this question in a way that is both accurate to the Scripture, but also in a way that they can understand? And uh, rather than deviate from that series this morning, in light of, you know, having our back lawyer and honoring our, our graduating seniors, this morning's topic is perfect for you all, and for those of you graduating uh, from college, it's perfect, and it's, it fits everyone wherever you're at. You see, because the question that we, we have this morning that we're asking is one that every one of us asks in different ways at different seasons of our life. Who am I? Who am I? And maybe maybe you're, you're starting to go off, and you're going to graduate high school, and you're going off to a college, and you're going to be asking the question, who am I? Because you have an opportunity to, to be different maybe than you were in high school. And so you're saying, well, who am I? Those of you graduating college, you, you're now going into the work world or you're trying to figure out what, what further education do I do? And that's based on a question that you're probably asking, who am I? Many of us, regardless of our, our season, whether we're graduating or, or whether we're just living life, who am I? God, God, who did you make me to be? You wake up in the mornings and, and you're wondering, why should I get out of bed? Who am I? You know, the, another way we'd phrase this question is, do I, do I have any value? Do I have any worth? What's my purpose in this life? Is, am I going to make a dent in anything? What is, what is it that God wants me to do? And so the, the, the question, who am I, and the way that the Scripture answers that goes right to the heart of that. And so here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to start off, and uh, I'll go ahead and grab your Bibles if you have them. You're going to go ahead and turn to Isaiah. If you need a Bible, there's Bibles on the chairs in front of you. If you're um, in the front row and there's no row in front of you, there's some under you if you want that. But I've also got all of our verses on the screens this morning. Isaiah 43 is where we're going to start. Isaiah 43. And if you're going to the, uh, the Bibles on the, on the chairs there, you're going to page 812. Page 812. What I want to do is, is start off with a big picture. Draw our attention bigger than what we typically would look, and then hone us back down, hone us back in. So we're going to start with the big picture, and here's where we're starting this morning. God created us for His glory. God created us for His glory. So Isaiah chapter 43, page 812, if you're using the Bibles from the chairs, we're going to look at verse 7 and then also verse 21. And before I flip it on to the screen, here's, here's kind of what we've got going on in Isaiah 43. God is speaking to His people of the Old Testament Israel. These people have gone astray, they've, they've worshipped other gods, and God has told them, look, because of this, I gave you a chance, we had this unique special relationship where I told you, if you will just worship me, when you get into this land I'm leading you, you're going to be blessed. But if you turn aside from me, then you're going to have curses come upon you. And one of those was that God was going to allow other nations to come and rule over his chosen people. He's going to let them be led astray into captivity. And so they're, they're at that point, they're going to be led astray, but God is telling them, it's not always going to be like this. I'm going to call you back out. So Isaiah 43 verse 7. And since verse 7 kind of falls in the middle of a thought, we're going to start with verse 6 to give us a little context. Here's what 
God says through Isaiah. He says, I will say to the north, hand them over. And to the south, don't hold any back. Bring my sons from distant lands and my daughters from the remote regions of the earth. And here's our verse. Everyone who belongs to me, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed, yes, whom I made. And then I'm going to jump to verse 21. And I'm going to start in verse 20 to give us some context. The wild animals of the desert honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I put water in the desert and streams in the wilderness to quench the thirst of my chosen people. And here's our verse. The people whom I formed for myself so that they might praise me. We were created to bring God glory. That's where we start. We, if we're asking a question, who am I? What was I created for? What, what, is, uh, what am I supposed to do with my life? We've got to start here. We weren't created for ourselves. We weren't created to do whatever it is we want to do, to live however it is we want to live. We were created, first and foremost, for God's glory, to bring praise to Him. And you know, this is an Old Testament passage. I could take you to the New Testament and show you a verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, if you want to write one down. And this is where Paul, speaking to our church, he says, look, God predestined us for this very thing, where the inheritance that we have in Christ, we receive it, so that it would be to the praise of God's glory. We are not our own. We were not created for our own purposes. We were created for God's glory. We've got to start there. That's got to be our foundation for these types of questions. Because if it's not our foundation, then we can pick and choose from whatever we want. But if we were created by God for His glory, we've got to start there. And so here's where I'm going to hone this in now. I want to go back to the beginning where if God created us for His glory, we need to look at how He created us. Right? If I want to understand more, how am I created for God's glory, I need to go look at where God talks about creating humanity. So for that, we're going to go back to the very beginning of your Bible, to Genesis chapter 1. So if you're using the Bible from the chair, it's uh, page 3, I believe. Yep, page 3. But Genesis chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 26 and 27. And here's what I want you to see as we go through this. The way that I re uh, bring glory to God is I reflect Him. I bring glory to God when I reflect Him. Okay, so Genesis chapter 1, uh, what we've got going on is the creation. God is creating, right? He's, he's created, we're told day 1, day 2, 3, 4, and 5, they're all done. God's created, now he's on day 6. And he's creating animals on day 6. And at the end of that day, at the end of day, uh, day 6, he, he moves on past the animals and he creates what the scriptures will call the crown of his creation. He creates humanity, the very first people. And look with me now at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, after, the, after our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move on the earth. God created humankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them male and female. He created them. Okay, so here's our starting point. If, if God has created us for His glory, now what does it look like for us to be created in such a way? And Genesis chapter 1 shows us where God created. And the first thing I, I want you to see is how special of a creation humanity was. You see, that, that God created you uniquely. 
He, he created you uh, specifically. In other words, you were created, I was created, our first parents, humanity, was created directly from the hands of God. Now, I know there's differing opinions on this because I know there are many, and even in this room, who may believe instead that uh, the origin of humanity was more evolutionary. That we started from some simple organisms which progressed and progressed and progressed and over millions and billions of years, eventually we evolved into the hum humans and uh, the species that we are. And if that's, if that's where you are, uh, I'm not spending my time on that this morning. I have more important things I want us to get to this morning, but I want you to consider this, and I want you to think through, if that's where we start, if we are just the highest evolved species and over millions and billions of years, this is how uh, we have developed our complex systems have come to be. One, for me, it takes me a lot of faith to understand that. In fact, it takes more faith for me to understand and believe that than it takes for me to believe that a God created us specially. Because when I consider me, and I consider you, and hum the human body, and the complexities of us all, and the way that our brains work, and our emotions, and all of our nervous system, and, and all of that's put together to work perfectly the way it does, that's hard for me to believe that over time, that just all kind of put itself together. See, here's my, 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 my statement to you is this. Either way you go, you've got to have faith. Right? It, it, either way you go, you either got to have faith that evolution is the way it happened or faith that God is the way it happened. I want you to consider where you're placed in your faith in that. For me personally, believing that God created specially is a lot easier to believe than evolution. And here's the other thing I want to say about that. If my starting point is that I started as a simple being and, and then progressed forward onward, then I really don't have anywhere else to go as far as what's my purpose besides survival of the fittest. I just need to dominate. I need to, I need to maybe be a good steward of this, this creation, you know, or this, this world that I'm in. I don't really have anywhere else to go besides there. If that's the highest uh, that I can go. But if God created me and you... And what we're seeing here is, and we're going to get into this in just a second, he created me in a special way, in his image, after his likeness. All of a sudden, there's more to my life, more to my purpose in living than just dominating, being the best, uh, being the fittest so that I can survive, or being a good steward of all this creation that he's given me. There's more. And it goes to the very heart of who we are and answers the very questions that most of us are asking. And so we see here... It says, God said, let us make humankind in our image. Let's stop there for a minute. Image. What that means is, as God's representative. That, that means we are to represent God. Uh, the, the word image is used throughout the scriptures as something that represents something else. When emperors would rule in vast regions in ancient times, if there was a more remote area of their, their place of rule and they weren't there present or, or physically, they would have a statue erected, an image of that emperor erected in that remote area. And that image of that emperor was to remind the people in that area that he had the right to rule. He was the ruler. That image reminded them of his presence as ruler. You and I were made in the image of God. We are reminders to all the rest of creation of God, the one who made us in his image, of God's right to rule. In fact, as we go on and we read in, in verse 26, God passes that right to rule onto humanity because he put, he put humanity above the rest of all the animals. 
right? We're not just simply part of the animal kingdom. We are over that. We are to represent God. And so when God had put our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the garden, he put them there so that they would together, side by side, represent God to the rest of creation. That they would remind all of the rest of creation that God was, in fact, the creator and the ruler. God put us there to be his representatives. When Adam succumbed to creatures, the serpent, then that all got messed up. And now God's got a plan in the process that is going to right that, that's going to reverse that to where it should be. We were made to be images, representatives. But also it says, after our likeness. There's a lot we could talk about about what that includes, but let me sum it up this way. It includes both our physical and our immaterial. Now, that does not mean that God is physical because we know that God is spirit. The Bible says God is spirit. He doesn't have a physical body like you and I, but God made us with physical bodies for a reason. The body you and I have in some way is like God. Not necessarily physical, but in some way it's like God. Whatever extent you and I are like God, that's what the scripture is saying. To the extent that you and I are like God, we reflect him. So that would include things like you and I, the way we reason and think, the way that uh, we have a moral capacity and ethical awareness. That sets us apart from your cattle, your horse, your, your pet dog at home or cat. They don't have a moral capacity. They don't have an ethical awareness like you and I were created with. That's just inherent within us. Uh, we, we were created for relationship. You and I were created for relationship with God and with other people. So a few weeks ago, one of the things we looked at in one of our verses was that God created humanity to seek Him. To seek a relationship with Him. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, and I, I really don't know the mind of a dog or a horse. I'm not a horse whisperer or a dog whisperer. I don't know for certain. But I know that in the scriptures, we don't find a spot where the creation of horses and cattle and dogs and cats, where they're looking for a relationship with God. They, they weren't created for that kind of capacity like you and I are created for a relationship with God. That's a unique part of us. That, that's part of being made after the likeness of God. And we were made for a relationship with one another. Whether that be husband-wife, whether that be a parent-child, whether that be a physical relationship, romantic relationship, or a friendship. That we were created for the capacity of having a relationship. And that is like our God. Because we just finished over the last three weeks looking at the Trinity, right? And that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And one of the things I said every week in that was that while God is one God, He exists as three people. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And one of the things I was careful to say every week is that He has always existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And He will always exist as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There has never been a time, there never will be a time where God is only Father, or only Son, or only Spirit. He is all three, always at the same time. Which means, He exists in relationship. You and I, when we are created after the likeness of God, we are created to be like God in that we are created for relationships with God and with one another. Now we go on though, also being made after the likeness of God, you see at the end of verse 27, in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Both men and women equally bear the image of God. 
It's not just men who have the image of God and then fem- uh, the females and ladies got a, a lesser portion of that. Hmm. Male and female, He created them in the image of God. Equal image on men and women. Which means also then that our gender has something to do with the image of God in us. And so I want to take a side here and speak into just a little bit what we are all processing and all seeing around us. Because this, the image of God, that God created us with the image, has something to say and bear on what we are all kind of processing and hearing and trying to navigate through. And, and here's what it is. Gender has something to do with the image of God. That means our physical sexuality and all the other stuff that makes us male or female. Because being a male is not just about the physical parts and being a female is not just about the physical parts. There is more to each of us that makes us male and female. And that is part of being made in the image of God and after the likeness of God. When we start to mess with that, we are messing with the image of God in us. Okay, that we have to consider. For a Christian, for a person who's following Christ, a person who, who is uh, believing in the Bible, you have to start here when we think through things like transgender issues and same-sex relationships. We have to start here. How did God create me? What was I designed for? Because the image of God is not just about our biological parts. It's about who we are as males men and who we are as females women and when you start to mess with that whether you start to change that or whether you start to enter into a relationship with someone of the same gender because remember God created us male and female and then he created them to represent God together in what we call a complementary relationship in other words men you bring something to the table in a relationship women you bring something to the table in a relationship and if you both bring what God has designed you to bring that relationship then is complementary you bring what the other lacks and as you live that out together you represent God. You, you, you bear a fuller image of God through that relationship. Those of you who are single, you still have an equal uh, amount of that image of God. You have no lesser amount just because you're not in a relationship. But God has designed that relational capacity for us to be able to, to represent Him in a way that is completely different as well. When you start to change that, and so you enter into relationships with the same gender, you lose whatever gender's lacking. You lose what either the male has to bring to the table or the female has to bring to the table. And so you don't, then you start to distort the image of God. You have to start here when you think through those issues. Now, let me say this. A couple things. One, first and foremost, I say this, and I'm pointing us all to the Scriptures, not so that it fuels hate. If you take what the Scriptures say, and you might be right in what you believe, and you go and then you carry hate, you are in sin. And you're wrong. And you're guilty. Because this very issue, as we're going to see in a minute, has bearing on the way we treat people, regardless of whether they live in sin, regardless of whether we agree with them or disagree with them, we must consider this as well for that. So first off, let me say that this should not feel hate. Second, I know there, there, in, a, in a room this size, there are people that this touches. So let me say this. If you are someone who has any of that in your background or have been touched by that in any way, whether through family or personally, let me say this to you. This is not me condemning you. Okay? There is a way for, for, for us to be able to say what the Bible says, but at the same time, 
to do so with love and with grace. And I know there's some in here, maybe perhaps you've struggled with this very issue. Maybe you wrestle yourself with attraction to the same gender. And I want you to know, first off, that attraction's not sin. Okay, because we all deal with uh, temptations to do things that are, are not honoring to God, to do things that God has not designed us for. The temptation itself is not sin. But what we do when we act on that temptation, that's where we cross that line. And so let me say this to you by way of encouragement. If you're wrestling with that, if you feel those temptations, that is not the sin. Wrestle with that. Bring that to the Lord and engage in that. Bring it to someone you trust who can walk with you through that and, and love you through that. Please don't feel like you're in that by yourself. If you're someone who, who struggles with, with any of that, whether that be transgender, same-sex orientation, any of that stuff, please know, please know, the Bible is not going to condemn you if you're in Christ. But that sin that we all deal with, whether it's the same sex orientation, whether it's lust, whether it's greed, whether it's gluttony, whether it's divorce, we've got to uh, handle and respond to those appropriately. And we do so by submitting ourselves to the Word of God. Where we err, there's grace. And that grace is there because God knows, man, they can't, they can't get it right all the time. But we don't use that grace to abuse it. And so I want you to hear me say this morning... Please feel like you can go to someone. And, and, and this is going to get into other issues in just a moment, but on these particular issues, please feel like you can go to someone. And for everyone else who maybe this doesn't apply to you, please be that person who's safe. Please be that person that if someone comes to you and says, I'm wrestling with this, I'm not sure what to think, that your first response is not, well, here's what the Bible says. Don't start there. You can get there later. Instead, love them. Listen to them. Let them, let them speak. Let them trust you and put it all out there. Because that's a wrestle, that's a struggle that people are going to wrestle with. And the first thing that we do does not need to be, well, here's what the Bible says, fix it. You lost them. That you just stuck their neck out and got cut off by the guillotine. So please pray through that. Think through that. How will you respond if someone you know, you love, that's close to you comes and trusts you with that? Okay? All of us, we've got to start here. Who am I? What am I made for? We've got to start here. Created in God's image after His likeness, both male and female, in the image of God. Now, God takes His image seriously. It's not a light thing that He put on us. You see, no dog has the image of God, no cattle, no horse. Only humanity has the image of God, and God does not take that image lightly. He's very serious about it. So Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, page 10, if you're using the Bibles from the chairs. Talking to Noah, right after he gets off the ark, remember God got frustrated with his, his humanity here and they were just going astray and says, forget it, we're just starting over. Wipes them all out, except for Noah and his family. Noah and his family get off the ark and God says this as he's kind of reestablishing some guidelines. Whoever sheds human blood by other humans must his blood be shed. For in God's image, God has made humankind. You go and you murder someone, you get the death penalty is what, what God's saying to Noah. And the reason you get the death penalty is because that's a serious offense because you murdered someone and they bore the image of God. You didn't just murder a person, you affronted the image of God. That's serious. That's a serious thing. God does not take it lightly. Now, this doesn't though just apply to things like, um, you know, the death penalty, you know, lethal injection, electric chair, guillotine, hanging, whatever the case may be. This applies to things like abortion as well. 
Because the moment that child is conceived in our womb, not our womb, I don't have one. Uh, and those of you who have wombs, uh, the moment that um, I was just identifying with you for a moment. <laughs> Never. All right. So the moment that baby is formed in your womb, uh, those of you that have one, the moment it is conceived, it's person. It bears the image of God. The moment it's conceived, it bears the image of God. And so to end that child's life is to be an affront on the image of God. When we think through things like abortion, we've got to start here. Now again, just like I did a moment ago, let me say this. I know that in a room like this, there's many of you not untouched by that. Maybe you've got an abortion in your background. Maybe you know someone who's had an abortion. And, and that maybe is, you're carrying it with you. Let me say this to you. There's grace. God's grace extends to you. If, if you're carrying that guilt, and if you've never confessed it to God, that's important. We've got to do that. And that's with any kind of sin that we, we carry or commit. Anytime we, we do anything to affront or offend God's glory, we've got to bring that to God and confess that. Lord, I did this. It was an affront to your image. Or I, I did this and I knew it was wrong. I made a decision and it was out of selfishness. Or I made a decision out of fear. Or I made a decision and I didn't even know. And you receive the forgiveness that God offers you through Christ. God doesn't condemn you because you've had that abortion. But he wants you to know how serious his image is. He doesn't want any of us to take that lightly. But in Christ, there's no condemnation. There's grace. So please hear me say that. But you've got to start here. Not only does he take his image seriously about these things, but here's this one. And in case your toes haven't been stepped on yet, it will now. Okay? James chapter 3, New Testament, page 1362. God takes his image seriously. James chapter 3, verse 8. No human being can subdue the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse people made in the image of God. The way you and I speak to other people can either breathe life or it can bring death. When we speak to people in a way that brings death, we are affronting the image of God. When you belittle, when you insult, when you speak down, when you treat someone with no dignity, no respect, you and I are affronting the image of God in that person. Husbands, when you belittle your wives, when you insult them, speak down to them, you verbally are abusing them, you are affronting the image of God in them. Wives, when you belittle your husbands, speak about them like they're idiots, you are affronting the image of God in them. And that has no place for those who call themselves Christ followers. No place. The way you and I treat others is an image of God issue. It doesn't matter whether you agree with them or don't agree with them. Whether they're living in open sin or they're hiding their sin or they have no sin. The way that you and I treat others must be with dignity and with respect, with value, with worth. Because they're made in the image of God just like you're made in the image of God. Most civil rights issues, most social issues with regard to humanity is an image of God issue. And as people who follow Christ, you've got to start there. God made people 
It doesn't matter whether you're the most avid of atheists or the most devout of believers. You bear the image of God. And regardless of what kind of lifestyle you lead or what kind of sins you've committed, because you bear that image of God, you are worthy and valuable and deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. You can hate the person all you want, but if you can't treat them at least with dignity and respect that becomes a person who bears the image of God, you and I are in sin. We've got to treat people like they bear the image of God. Because they do. Now for many of us, that would be a tension. A tension of walking grace and truth. There's always a place and a time to speak truth, but always with love. And we've always got to walk in grace. Jesus came and the Gospel of John says He came with a full measure of both grace and truth. You and I are not called to live with a balance. We're called to live with a full measure of grace and truth. But we cannot do it perfectly like Jesus did it. And so for us, there will be a constant tension in the way we do that. There will be times where we are going to speak truth and maybe we're too truthful. Or maybe it was the wrong time. And there are going to be other times where maybe we err too much on the side of grace and we need to speak truth more. And it's going to be a constant tension. And that's just going to be the reality for us who are not perfect. But we must always uphold the the standard of speaking the truth in love, but enter into people with their experience. Because you know what? You can validate an experience. You can validate pain, hurt, without approving of choices. So you've got to enter in with people. Be a part of their life. Be a part of what's going on. Try to understand where they're coming from. Enter and show them grace. But do so without compromising truth. You've got to do that with attention. And if you're doing it right, there's going to be sometimes where you're going to err on the side of truth and people over here are going to say, you're too legalistic. And then there's going to be other times where you err on the side of grace and people over here are going to say, you're too gracious, you're approving of sin. If you don't have people on both sides saying you're either too gracious or you're erring on the side of legalism, you're probably not living with that tension well. Because we can't do it right. But we've got to always try. And we're all wired to bend one way or the other. Some of you are more truthful, some of you are more gracious in the way you're bent, but we're all called to walk with that full measure of both. The way we treat people is an image of God issue. The way you and I speak to them, the way you and I treat them. If you're treating them in a way that does not give them dignity, respect, value, worth, you're violating the image of God within them. So, who am I? It's a question that has a lot of bearing. I need um, two graduate volunteers who are willing to come up on the stage. And let's say one or two non-graduate volunteers. Whoa, he just got pulled up here. <laughs> Don't even know what you're coming. You guys come over here. And then one or two non-graduate. Anybody? 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 Bueller? 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 I watch it. Yeah, Matthew. All right. So when it comes to... Thank you guys for being so brave. When it comes to who am I? What am I created to do? What's my purpose in life? Here's what I want you to remember. You were designed to reflect God. You've got to start there. Graduating seniors, you've got to start there. What, who am I? Where am I going to do with my life? What, what does God want me to do with my life? You were designed to reflect God. Whatever you do, wherever you go, do it in a way that reflects God. Enjoy the things that you enjoy. Softball, baseball, basketball, football, video games. Do it to the glory of God. Thanks for throwing that one in, brother. Alright? Those of you who are not graduating, but everyone, whatever you do, do it in a way 
that reflects God. Those of you who are struggling with, with value and worth, you start there. You bear the image of God. Who wants to go first? Me. Man, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> it's a mirror. You see your whole self in there? There you go. Now I do. You were designed to reflect God. You have value and you have worth because you bear the image of God. Maddie? You are taller. Let's see. There you go. <laughs> you reflect God. You were designed to reflect God. You have value. You have worth. And it starts there. Dylan? And you're... Okay. Gotcha? You in there? Yep. You were designed to reflect God. You have value. And you have worth. And it starts there. Thanks, man. If this is a big enough mirror, I'd hold it up for all of you. You were designed to reflect God. Yeah, sorry, the reflection's blinding me up there. <laughs> you have value and you have worth, and it starts there. So whatever you do, do it in a way that reflects God. Father, we are so grateful for your special way that you've created humanity. You didn't have to do it. You didn't have to crown us with that glory of giving us your image. You could have made us just like the cattle and like the horses and like the monkeys. And yet, God, you decided to make us special and unique so that we would reflect you. That others would see us and all of creation would know that there is a God and we represent him. But God, that image does not guarantee that we have the right relationship with you because sin has entered in. And so, God, I thank you that you've sent Christ to die for us in our place, taking what we deserved so that we could have what he earned and then be restored into a relationship with you. Father, there are many here this morning maybe who, while being an image bearer, they're not a child yet. They're not part of your family because that, God, you give solely to those who place their trust in Christ. They're part of your creation but to be brought in and adopted into the family, you tell us we have to receive Christ. And so God, for those this morning, I pray that your spirit would, would remind them of their value and their worth because of who God is and then take them even further to show how much and greatly they are loved by God, by you. And you showed that to us when you sent Christ to die in our place. Father, I lift up to you our graduates, both from high school and college, and pray for them that they would start here when they ask questions like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? What's, what am I going to do with my life? That they would start here and remind themselves that they were designed to reflect you. And then to go about doing what they do in a way that reflects you. That they would remind themselves that they have value and worth because of who they are. For those God here who struggle with depression or struggle with getting up in the mornings and they wonder, what's the point? God, would you remind them when they open up their eyes, when they close their eyes at night, that they have value and worth because you put your image on them. And they are deeply loved because you sent your son to die for them. Father, as we think through issues of social justices and civil rights, would you help us to start here? What would the image of God and people require of me? How would it influence my thinking? And then God, help us to, to treat those who we struggle with treating because they're different, because they are living in sin, because they hurt us, Whatever the case, help us to treat them with value and with worth, reminding ourselves that they're made in the image of God. 
God, we thank you for your grace in our lives where we mess up. And we thank you for going before us and coming behind us. I pray that your grace would flood those who need it this morning. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, hey, I'm so glad that you guys were, were here this morning. And if you're visiting again, glad that you were able to come and support your graduates. And if any of you are visiting because you're looking for a church home, I'd love to say hello. Shake your hand if, if you have questions. would love to answer any of those. Right after the service, we'll dismiss, exit these doors, hang a right, and I'll meet you down by the couches, if that's you. Uh, graduates, remember, they want you to stay up here, so parents and family, if you want pictures of them, they'll be up here so that you can uh, do that. And any of you, if you want to come and uh, congratulate them, please feel free to come up and do that after the service. All right? With that, if you're able, will you please stand, and we'll dismiss. There's nothing else in all of creation like you. God's created you in a unique and special way so that it would point you and others to Him. So depart from here and go and live as people who reflect God and do it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. See you guys.